So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Justin. I'm the pastor here at Zion. Uh, today we are starting a new sermon series in the book of Habakkuk, which I am very happy about because if you ask the average person on the street, they've never heard of Habakkuk. Uh, and if you ask the average Christian, maybe they've never heard of the book Habakkuk. Uh, it is a, it, it's a book in the Old Testament. It's part of the Minor Prophets. And the only reason why they're called the Minor Prophets is not because they are less important. It is just because they are smaller in nature. So Habakkuk only has a few chapters in it. So we're going to be uh, a couple of months in it. Uh, and the major prophets are the ones that are huge, like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, those kind of things. So, uh, but the minor prophets just, I, I know I love to read the epistles. Uh, you know, we just went through 1 John. So 1 John, Peter, Paul, all these guys who wrote the epistles. I love to go through the minor prophets in the same way that I go through the epistles, which you can sit down in one sitting, read it from beginning to end, and just pray it through. It literally will take you 20 minutes uh, to do that. And God just has so much to say through these prophets, and we're going to get into this. Habakkuk has one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible, yet, uh, which, which we're going to get into uh, in, a, in a few weeks, which is, uh, the righteous shall live by faith, and that is, that passage is quoted three times in the New Testament in three different places in three different ways, and there's so much application to Habakkuk to our life today. Uh, so I'm really excited to get into this series. It's Walking with God Through Tough Times, and today the title is Complaining to God, Complaining to God, Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Have you ever felt ashamed about complaining to God? I know I have. Uh, one, because in Philippians 2, it says, do not complain. Uh, so, uh, but that is, we're going to get into what that means and what this is. Um, but it is, it is good to complain to God. And if you've felt that you've wanted to complain to God uh, over the last year and a half, if you've never felt wanting that you wanted to complain to God, then I need to know your secret. Tell me what you're eating for breakfast, what kind of vitamin D light you got going on in your house, uh, because I need in on that. Um, and so how Habakkuk is structured is really a dialogue between Habakkuk, a prophet, and God. And so what we're starting with today is the opening of the conversation between Habakkuk and God. And as we open this conversation, we're not going to get into God's response today. We're just going to read as Habakkuk starts with this opening complaint to God. And I think what we're going to find in this scripture is, is uh, a lot of safety and a lot of solace in what many times we want to do in our life and we don't do because for whatever reason, legalism, religiosity, what people have told us about God and how we should interact with him, there's all these things floating around there. But what we need to do is as we look at scripture, how does scripture have us interact with God? And one of the prophets, one of the people of the Old Testament had this to say to God in the opening scene in his dialogue with the Father, which you can read along with me in your service sheets. In verse one, the oracle, or as this means also the burden that Habakkuk the prophet saw. Chapter, verse two, as Habakkuk starts. 
O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear me? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. So the back and forth that begins here that Habakkuk starts, starts off with two questions. And these two questions I have found myself asking often, and I have found that honest Christians are also asking often in their own life and is, should really be a part of an emotionally healthy walk with God because we live in a fallen world and we know that God is not a slot machine who gives us all our base desires. That's not what it is, but we are people who die to ourselves, that die to our desires, die to our wants, and yet still we walk around with sin and all of its manifestations all around us. And though we know that Jesus defeated the enemy on the cross, that the enemy still has power today with people who allow him to have power, that the final defeat of the enemy where him and all of his angels are thrown into the lake of fire, what will happen on the day of the Lord or the final judgment day on Jesus's return. And so from now till then, we say the kingdom is here, but not yet. It is here in us. We are completing our mission, bringing the kingdom of heaven down on earth as it is in heaven. That is the prayer that Jesus said. Pray every single day. Give us this day our daily bread on earth as it is in heaven, right? This is something that we are seeing that we are part of fulfilling. And wherever territory we go, wherever we see someone baptized, whenever we see someone commit their life to Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is expanding here on earth through us. Amen? But in the process... There will be times where we, like Habakkuk, will cry out, How long, O Lord? Why, O Lord? These two questions that he starts with, the first one of, of why, or the first one of how long, right? In verse two, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And then the second one in verse three, why? Why do you make me see iniquity? Many of us, maybe right now, are going through things in our life where we are crying those very things to God. How long, oh God? Why, God? These two questions, I think, sum up how we feel in hardship. I know oftentimes when we are walking through the fire and we are being pruned or we are going through tough times in our life, we just want to see the end of it. We're human. This is, this is the true natural desire. That is why James says rejoice in your trials. And when we read that, we think James is crazy because nobody wants to rejoice in their trials. Trials are hard. Instead, during trials, if we're honest with ourselves, we cry, how long and why? How long is this going to last? I am done and I am finished with this. And why am I going through this? Why is this happening? But the super saved folk will have you believe that you can never ask how long and you can never ask why. 
But how many know we are not a church of super saved Christians? We are a church of saved by grace Christians, walking out our frailty before a loving and gracious and merciful king. I can't tell you how many times I've asked God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why am I going through this? If you read my journal, which please don't. Uh, I was going to say some other jokes, but I got to keep those to myself. (laughs) Filter, Justin. (laughs) If you ever sat and read it, you would basically be reading through a series of complaints of why, right? Many, many times my journal is 95% of life stinks right now and I don't know what to do. I can't punch the wall. That's something I used to do. I can't punch somebody. That's also something I used to do. But now I can, right, the pen is mightier than the sword, so now I can write in my journal and feel good about screaming at somebody, at this book, sometimes God, sometimes myself, and sometimes other people that will never know. (laughs) Thank you. Stephanie got that. (laughs) Right? How long is it going to take? How long is this going to go on? I mean, they, uh, many of us have gone through what we call the, the dark night of the soul, which is that, that time period in our life where we feel just miserable about everything. We have gone sunk into our lowest point, our lowest point to being alive yet, And we've come to a place where we have been burnt out. Everything that we thought was secure, things that we thought were going to last forever, maybe didn't last forever. Maybe some things have happened to us or are happening to us where we have come to that point where we ask, how long, oh Lord, can I endure this? Maybe you have read scripture Maybe somebody has spoken a prophetic word over you and you are patiently expecting things to change in your life, but they have not yet on your timeline. And because of that, you have sat in your room and you have asked, how long? How long before this changes? How long before this happens? How long, O Lord? Habakkuk was confused. Why was God not living up to his character? In his confusion, Habakkuk was asking God, God, I know who you are and what you are like. Why, why, why are you not living up to who I know you are? Why, as Habakkuk said, do you idly look at wrong? He knows that God over and over again in Scripture is called the the God of armies. Whenever you read the Lord of hosts, read that as the God of armies. That's just 1600s New England, uh, England speak for army when they have a host come before you and the two hosts would fight each other. 
right? Why the God of armies, the God of justice, the one who hates iniquity, that says that the righteous, the, the, the ones who are not righteous shall perish, but the righteous are planted by streams of living water, and whatever they touch shall prosper. Why, O oh God, God of armies, why, O oh God of justice, are you allowing corrupt leadership to rule your people? This is Habakkuk's confusion. He doesn't understand that in Judea and his own land and what's supposed to be God's own people, that this country has turned to turmoil that there is no justice in the land, that the, the ones who are unrighteous are ruling over the righteous, that the ones who are corrupt are ruling over the people, that there is violence and strife and contention in the land everywhere that he turns, that the people of God have turned on one another, that this country that was supposed to be of God's people that was supposed to be God's land now is full of violence, now is full of immorality, now is full of strife, now is full of contention, is full of arguing where neighbor against neighbor. Why, oh God? This is not the God I know. This is not who I understand you to be. What is going on? Why are you looking at this and doing nothing? Habakkuk is confused. I think many times of how this plays out in today, where Habakkuk is looking at the world around him and just literally going, what is going on? For many of us, it might have been the moment when George Floyd was murdered that we had this, there was, there was a longing in, in this city specifically, but also that happened in the nation. Why, God, are you allowing things like this to happen? That was, many, for many, the breaking point of like, we have been seeing injustice after injustice happen over and over, and we have hit the point where what is going on? Why? Habakkuk said, justice goes forth perverted. The law is paralyzed. Justice never goes forth. Many of us will look at the justice system and say, it is perverted. Justice isn't going forth. What is going on? Why, God, are you idly looking at wrong? The collective consciousness of America woke up but there is a lot of people for a long time that have just been saying enough is enough. Why is this happening? I think of COVID. How these three words of Habakkuk's description fit many of what scenarios of what is going on right now. Destruction, strife, and contention. We, I don't think in our time, have seen the type of destruction, strife, and contention that is happening right now. I mean, every single day I'm reading articles. There are people getting fired. There are people that are protesting. There are neighbors turning against neighbor. Uh, families are just starting to uh, come against each other. I mean, when you look around, when you think of what 
What COVID has done in our country, the amount of deaths that have piled up, the amount of sick, the hospitals that have been overrun now for over a year and a half. And then when you think of how it has been politicized, how the right has taken their stance and their portion and the left has taken their stance and their portion, and again, we have find a new thing to have strife over, to attack each other over, and we just see contention after contention after contention. We see more and more strife. We see in the process of all of that, with no unity, with constant arguments, destruction is having its way. And many people have had enough, and they are saying, God, why? We may look around at our world right now, and we may be asking collectively, God, why? Why are you sitting around and doing nothing? That is what Habakkuk is asking God. I mean, can you, first of all, like, can you even imagine saying that to God? But then second of all, if you live through the times that we have lived in, yes, you can imagine saying that to God. God, why? This doesn't line up with what I know you to be. This doesn't line up for what I read about you in your scriptures. This doesn't line up. And Habakkuk, he, he says, how long? How long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? The thing that's crazy about this is we know the two most basic things God does and promises for his people are what? To hear us and to save us. We get that story in the Exodus where God hears his people when they're in slavery and what does he do? He saves them. And the story of Exodus is retold dozens and dozens of times throughout the Bible, from like literally the next book on almost in every single book to the end. We always echoes of the Exodus. Why? To reinforce this idea that God hears us and God saves us. That's, that's literally what God does. And so Habakkuk's argument here against God is a pretty steep one when he's coming to him and he's saying, God, you have not heard me and you have not saved us. What is going on? You are, you are violating the two very fundamental things that we believe that you do. See, the reality that Habakkuk is experiencing and that many of us either have experienced before, are experiencing now, or will experience in the future is that there will be times of hardship where we will not feel, keyword feel, heard, or saved. See, what we are in right now is in the feelings of Habakkuk. We are in the throes of Habakkuk's complaint and confusion before God. And that's important to distinguish because what is beautiful is that God doesn't ask us when we get saved to check our feelings at the door. In fact, many psychologists believe that David who wrote the Psalms was a manic depressive. And if you read some of the Psalms, it's not hard to see that, where he starts off insanely down, depressed, sad, and then at the end is glorifying God and his faithfulness and trusting in God's future. 
right? God does not ask us to hang up our emotions on, on the coat rack when we enter into heaven. No, instead, the Bible is full of people going through all the human emotions and feelings from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs. And we are experiencing and entering into Habakkuk's low right now, where he doesn't come filtered before God. He doesn't come with his proper suit on and tie and say, okay, here are my three, you know, sentences. This is my 10 Hail Marys that I need to do so I can, you know, uh, wash away my sin and then go on my day, make sure my knees are being kneeled in the proper format and that I'm taking the Eucharist in the proper way so that God hears me. No. Habakkuk says, how long are you going to not do the two only things that you're supposed to do? Hear us and save us. See, when we are, are walking through hardship and and in our feelings, we are saying God doesn't hear us. And in our feelings, we are saying God is not saving us. Then what is it time to do? It's time to complain. You know, if I was old Pentecostal, I'd say, turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to complain. <laughs> See, it, it, it is actually important to complain to God. The scriptures are full of, of complainers. And if the scriptures are full of it, then we should be full of it. See, this is why it's important to complain to God. It keeps us from bitterness. You know this in your most basic of relationships that I can use my spouse as an example. And when Heather does something that annoys me, which if you're married here, you know that you get annoyed on a regular basis with your spouse. And if I don't if there's something that has like really hurt me and I don't tell her, and if I'm not honest with her, what will happen? There will be bitterness that forms in my heart towards her and she won't even know. If you've had a friend that hurt you and instead of talking to that friend about it, you cut them off, what happens over time is bitterness, resentment will begin to grow. When we complain to God, it keeps us honest. See, God is not interested in a formal relationship with everybody. You understand that? See, many of us, we have been taught a formal relationship with God. We pray before we go to sleep. We say the Our Father or when we wake up. We pray before our meals. We go to church on Christmas and Easter. We allow a pastor to marry us. Right? We have been taught a formal relationship with God. But God is not interested in the formal relationship. He wants the honest relationship. We've been taught this is how God wants you to dress when you come to church. This is how God wants you to pray when you talk to him. This is how God wants you to do X, Y, and Z. And everything is formalities. No, what does God prize over formality? Honesty. He would much rather have an honest person than somebody who has their front before him at all times. And the other thing that is important about complaining to God is it keeps us going to God. You see, when we are going through hard times, it's really easy to say, run to a person 
or run to a thing. But when we change our mindset about God, when we, when we kind of break free of this formality of what it means to go before God and, and, and only see him as the holier than thou, right? When Jesus teaches us to pray, I love when Johnny preached on the, the Our Father prayer, he had this thing about, it starts off at Our Father who is in heaven. So there's this familiarity of he's our Father, but he's also holy, he's in heaven. But, and we can't have one only or the other. They are not mutually excuse, exclusive. So if he is only the one who is in heaven, then when things are going wrong, I can't approach him. But we have to also understand, but he's also the Father. And man, when my kids bump their toe, fall, hit their head, something happens, I want them to run to me. I want them to come to me. And so we, we have it in our head that when things are going wrong, I, I'm gonna go to Netflix. I'm gonna go to my drug fix. I'm gonna go to my booty call fix. I'm gonna go, sorry, did I step on some toes there? I'm, I'm gonna go to my DMs. I'm, I'm gonna go to my friends. Because we think that God is not interested in hearing about the bad stuff and hearing about the complaints, that God is not interested in the informal, is only interested in the formal, and that is where we have it wrong. See, when we complain to God, the first best thing about doing it is we are going to God. It is never wrong to go to God. We gotta remember that. That every time your circumstance and your situation leads you to God, that it's a good thing and not a bad thing, even if it's a complaining stance to God. But when your circumstance and your hardship leads you to other people and other things first and foremost, that's a bad thing. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I went before God and told God, I don't want to be here. I don't feel anything and I'm mad. Here I am. Those have been some of the most powerful prayers of my life. Because God can work with that. See, what God can't work with is absence. If you're not present, there's nothing God can do. But if you come in the honest, complaining, confused, stressed, rough, Real self, God can work with that. See, the, the master builder, the master painter, the master craftsman can look at us and say, I can fix that. But you know what can't fix that? Netflix. What can't fix that is that, that call late at night. What can't fix that? is that other person, what can fix that? God. So let me tell you, go to God. Any circumstance, any hardship, go to God. However you're feeling, whatever it, you're, you're thinking, go to God. Because what does the Spirit do? Paul said the Spirit works to take away things like anger, to take away things like malice, to take away things like sexual impurity, to take away these things. And what? To fill us with patience, with love, with kindness, with goodness. And so when I'm feeling angry, frustrated, mad, malicious, who should I be going to God? Because when I'm present, God can work.
We got to start realizing in our life and remembering if I am present, God can work. If I am present, God can work. It doesn't matter what we're saying. It doesn't matter what we're feeling. God wants our feelings. He wants honesty. He wants the truth. He wants it all before him. Because God can work with that. God can heal that. He is the great physician. God can fix that. God's spirit can enter in. He is not afraid of that. Some of our depictions of God that we have molded in our head is very frail. He can't handle what we have to bring. Well, guess what? We have a prophet saying his character is all wrong and that God is not doing even the most basic things that he's supposed to do, and he put that in the Bible. He is not frail. He is not scared of our worst. He is not scared of our complaints nor of our confusion. What he wants is what Habakkuk is doing. Be present. Bring it to me. Come to me. That is what he wants. God can handle your honesty. Being nice to God, I want you to remember this, is not as important as being honest with God. Can you remember that? Because all, all, all the time, I, I, I have to, I'm struggle with, when I don't want to be with God and when I only have mean things to say, We've been told, if you don't have something nice, don't say something at all. And so we take that into our relationship with God where God's like, no, come say something. <laughs> I want you. Even if we have nothing nice to say, come say it to God. Be honest to him because it's better to be honest than to be nice when it comes to God. So if being proper is keeping you away from prayer, brother, sister, stop being proper. Start going to God improperly. Whatever improperly is, do it. Because God wants your presence more than he wants your perfection. There we go. God wants your presence more than God wants your perfection. So I want to give you some good ways to complain to God. Key word is here, to God. In confusing or hard times. One thing I already said, journal your frustration. That is actually a great way to talk with God. If you look at the Psalms, it's basically David many times journaling away his frustration. Where oftentimes I see my journal as a prayer book, a personal prayer book, where I am praying to God. And many times at the end of my journal entries, I end it with amen. Because the frustrations, the hardship, the pain of life, if you can't express it with words, just sit down and write. You don't have to think about what to say. It's called free writing. It's a beautiful thing. Just see what happens. And many times you'll be surprised what comes out. Allow that to be a prayer to God. Pray out loud. Another way to complain to God. 
talk to God. Prayer is just another way of saying talking and conversing with God. So tell God, how are you feeling? What doesn't add up in your life? This is what Habakkuk is doing. He is saying, he is talking to God. God, this is what I'm feeling. This is what doesn't add up. Why are you doing this? How long is this gonna happen? Because this doesn't make sense. Talk to God. You can talk to him on a lunch break. You can talk to him before you go to sleep. You can talk to him on a car ride or on a subway ride. People may think you're crazy if you do it on the subway ride, but okay, you'll never see him again. Whatever, talk to God. Sometimes it helps to switch out the words if you don't tell yourself, I'm gonna pray, but instead you say, I'm gonna talk. Right? If praying connotes too much formality for you and it stops because you think it has to be a really long time or a certain way or with special words, stop saying pray. Start saying, I'm going to talk to God. That will help you walk through this pain. Be present with God. And then you can talk to a friend about what is going wrong and why it doesn't make sense. But I would say when you do that at the end, ask for prayer. Allow this to be a prayer request because the last thing that we want is to talk about God but not talk to God, right? We would never want somebody to talk about us but never talk to us. And so bring, you can bring your complaints to one another, but at the end of that, bring it in prayer. Say, look, I'm going through this. This is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on. I do that all the time. I have an accountability partner. We talk every single week, and many times I'm complaining about what's going on in my life. But at the end of that complaint, we, we have a pact that we will pray for each other every single time. And so I could say like, yo, this, this doesn't make sense. This is what I'm going through. I don't understand what is going on. We complain about all the different things. But at the end, we pray. If you are going through a time, a why and a how long, just know that you're not alone. Know that God wants you in the position that you are currently in. He wants you angry. He wants you if you're upset. He wants you if you're not feeling it. God wants you with him. When the God of scripture and the circumstances you are going through don't align, don't be afraid to call God out. Because you may be surprised by the answer. And next week, we're going to get into the answer. <laughs> Stay tuned for part two of this new Zion series. No, I'm just kidding. Don't be afraid to go to God with all your hurt, with all your complaining, with all your confusion. What is the only thing God is requiring? Just come to him. Can you stand with me? Father, we come before you right now. Man, if, if you're going through something, I'm just gonna ask you to put your hands out like this. For me, this, when I do this, symbolism helps. It is a posture of coming before God, of saying, God, I'm open to receive what you have to give. And so God, with our palms out before you, we are saying we are open to receive 
what you have to say and to give the good gift of your Holy Spirit right now. We come and we ask. Lord, we are coming before you saying, how long and why? Lord, we come with our complaints. We come with our confusion. We come with our desperation. We come with our anger. But Lord, here we are. Here we are, Lord. So as we worship, talk to God. If you need someone to pray with you and you want to talk to them, we'll have some of our prayer team on the side. You can pray with them at any moment during worship. But begin the conversation now. If you're better at writing it in a journal, you've never tried that before, say, I'm going to do that tonight at 8 p.m. or tomorrow at 7 a.m. Set a time that you're going to do it. Because I can guarantee that the God who hears and the God who saves will show up and do the thing that he's always promised to do. Amen. Let us worship.